And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from an internal block or barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as we want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when you when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind, challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to episode 105 of the Holistic Health and Human Potential podcast. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis, and we have a great interview lined up for you with Adam Roa on permission to think freely. Before we dive into that, I'd love to just let you know that this show is sponsored by a company called Neurohacker Collective. They produce, in my opinion, the single greatest brain enhancement cognitive focus enhancement and brain health supplement called Qualia. It's something that I use a lot and it's just been very impactful on my state of mind, my emotional, mental uh, integration and my accelerated learning. Um, this is so many different things that I have really received from this gift um, of this product by Daniel Schmachtenberger, which by the way, if you want to find out more information on him, you can go to episode 95, and we also talk about this product as well. But if you want to go to the website, neurohacker.com, and you really want to try this product, Qualia, you can use the coupon code HUMANPOTENTIAL to receive 10% off. And I also want to say, if you have not done so already, I would really love to have your support by you going to iTunes. Going, You can use your iPhone app or you can use your app, your iTunes app on your computer and just leave us a quick review, maybe a five-star review if you really love the show because every time you do leave a review or anybody leaves a review, it boosts our ratings up and increases visibility and accessibility to hundreds of thousands of people all over the world and that is my goal to reach millions of people all over the world, and I can't do it without your support. So I would greatly appreciate that. 
And diving in today's show with Adam Roa, what an incredible conversation, what an incredible discovery of consciousness and discovery of this man's journey into finding himself and bringing his gifts out to the world. It's going to be nothing less than inspiring, motivating, and activating on all levels. So without further ado, enjoy this interview. Adam Roa is a coach and conscious media creator who teaches people the steps by which our reality is being created and helps them to learn how to take conscious control over this creation process. His mission is to help people rediscover the power that lies within each and every one of us so that we can create a world in which everyone feels seen, heard, and loved. In addition to hosting the Deep Dive podcast, Adam regularly leads workshops and performs all over the world, including Australia, Tanzania, and Costa Rica, among many other locations. And it is my honor and pleasure to be speaking with you face to face. Thanks, brother. I'm happy to be on your show. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this for a while, and you and me have just started to drop in with one another. Mm-hmm. I had the pleasure of being on your show, which was super fun. And I just moved into your hood. Yeah. Encinitas, California. <laughs> I know. I, a little you know, vortex here. It's so funny, actually. I was just dropping in with another friend, and we were at an NLP event a little while ago, and... I told him, I was like, do you know who Adam Roa is? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know of Adam. And he just moved here recently. I said, yeah. He's like, you know, he was at that NLP event that we were at a couple months ago in Costa Mesa. And I thought about it. I was like, oh, that's right, the hat. Now I remember I saw him in the audience, but we, we were at the same NLP event. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I never mentioned that. What a small that. world, man. I yeah. Didn't know that. And I just recognized the hat in your face from Facebook, <laughs> but like I had this internal resistance to connect and I just, I just did it. I didn't know, like, I just, this is one of those where I, I didn't really know you. Yeah. So I didn't really have anything to say, but looking back, it's like, oh, that's so strange. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I wonder Maybe it was the hat. Maybe it was like there's some trauma in your life related to hats. I'm not going to talk to anyone who wears a hat like that. It's it's very possible. I love my hats. I really yeah. It's like one of well, my I appreciate it now, right? Like yeah. And very cool, man. That was how did you like that NLP event? It was great. It was great for me. It was interesting because my friend Matthew Cook, who's also another uh, leader in the community. We went together and it was just kind of a spontaneous thing. He invited me and I I went there not looking to really learn more about NLP. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I wasn't interested and I've, I've done enough, well, I don't say enough, but I've done a lot of my own study and my own work. It was more like just the synchronicity of it was like calling me and it yeah. was like, yeah, okay, let's do that. However, for me, what happened, what emerged for me in that event had nothing to do with the event. But it had everything with me to do with me being there, and something more profound had actually evolved for me as um, part of me actually being in that physical location. Yes, yeah, sometimes sometimes it's not um, the reason we're called to something isn't the one we think it will be. It's not the right. obvious answer. It's right, actually right. something uh, much deeper than that. That um, happens to me a lot. Uh, do you know about the the Huna weekend? Did you get the email about that? Are you, I don't know if you, I'm looking for someone to go with me. 
it's no, like, I didn't. Yeah, it's like May 5th or something. So we'll talk about that afterwards. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, because okay. if you buy two tickets, you get $100 off each ticket. So oh, that's for um, Dr. Matt, right? Yeah. For for his... No, now I'm... It's I'd, I'd really to like to go. I'm looking for someone to go, but um, okay. so, so far, we'll talk about this after. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you bring up a great point, and I want to just kind of... Uh, connect it with what you said earlier that you just moved here to Encinitas and you know like we have Preston Smiles and then Alexi Panos and some other room in this house and I, I bumped into him today and we dropped in for a minute who I've had on the show as well and I'm just I'm just paying attention to an interesting phenomena that's occurring where so many luminaries and visionaries like yourself and like many of our friends and, and other people that will be connected um, are all kind of matriculating in particular locations seemingly at the same time, mm. right? Or in relative time periods. And Encinitas seems to be one of those portals that people are like coming in from Kauai or they're coming in from LA or they're coming in from uh, Arizona or where, you know, from Australia or wherever in the world. And so I'm curious just to open this up. What's your experience been so far here? Um, I'm, I'm really happy here. I feel like it feels like home in a lot of ways. It feels like I've been here much longer than I have. Cause I think, um, it's been about six weeks of being here and mm-hmm. it feels like six months. Uh, yeah. the community here is so welcoming. I'm, I'm really uh, amazed at, at how many people show up to community events and like right. really actively take part in building the community because so many people say they want that. They want mm. to feel like there's a tribe. They want to feel like everyone's supportive of each other. And that requires actually showing up, right. actually being the person who goes and buys the ticket to the one man show or the, the Easter gathering or whatever it is and, and participates. So I think that is, is really cool to see. And I'm noticing, um, a lot of these places on the planet right now, there seems to be moving energy between them. Mm. So like a lot of people are moving to Encinitas right now and a lot of people are leaving Encinitas to go to the places that people are leaving from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like <laughs> when I decided that we were moving to LA mm. in the next two, three weeks, we had found all these people who had just moved to LA from Encinitas. And then the same thing with like Maui and Kauai, like yes. Hawaiian Islands. There's like a lot of people from Encinitas who are from there and then people who have left here to go there as well and like other spots on the planet. Uh-huh. But it seems like it's like you pick up the frequency, you pick up this healing energy, you pick up lessons from the land in a certain place or from a community in a certain place. And then there reaches a point where it's, okay, go out take that to this other area, bring that piece. And it's like mm. connecting and, and becoming whole in a way and learning different things from each spot. That's what mm. it feels like to me at least. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. It feels like that for me too. I, I spent a lot of years in LA, all over LA. And then I got this impulse to get out of LA and go to Hawaii for the first time. For me, it was the big Island. Mm. And I went there with literally, I, I had a financial collapsed through a through a herbal chocolate business that I had and I was speaking all the time and writing books but um, I hadn't developed the prosperity muscle so in, in just business in general I didn't have that that acumen at the time so I was just kind of getting by and I ha- I felt like okay it's time for me to get out of this stress storm that I'm feeling in LA and and Hawaii was calling me so 
leap of faith, went to Hawaii, and I felt that way you're talking about. That was my first kind of piece of like, okay, now I feel like I'm, I'm in an enchanted location and I'm feeling the magic, the natural magic. And then that took me back to, you know, it took me here, there, brought me to Sedona, then brought me to Kauai. Then, you know, this whole thing has occurred for me to even get to this place. And I feel like I've been doing that for a long time of just hopping around the world at these different places. I was in Egypt recently with Michael Beckwith. Uh, how was it? That was off the you saw, hook. You saw the pyramids? We saw everything. Wow. We were two weeks in Egypt. Um, we went everywhere. That, I'm super jealous. That's on, yeah. on my bucket list for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and that, that just furthers the point of, like, you know, the synchronicity factor that you spoke to earlier. And I'd like to get back to that piece about how important it is that we listen to the impulse of our heart and the impulse of our soul that's relaying a deeper message to us that maybe our mind is trying to find rationality for. It's trying to find a reason, you know, but we feel something in our soul that's like pulling us to go to an event or it's pulling us to get on a plane and go somewhere else. Um, I'd love for you to speak, speak about that, maybe your own experience. Yeah, well, the, you know, the mind wanting to understand why and wanting to make decisions from from a place of logic and and being able to point by point understand okay this is why i'm going to go to egypt or or wherever yeah well the difficulty with that being entirely operating from that place is that the mind is limited by what you know (laughs) plain and simple that the mind is limited by what you know which you will be lucky if it's 0.01% of what there is to know by the time you die. So That's great. <laughs> um, if, if, if you're relying on the 0.01% of what you actually know uh, to make all your decision-making, then you, you limit what's available to you by opening up to intuition, which I believe intuition and your highest excitement comes from that place of, of source, God, highest self, whatever the wording is that you want to use. But that's the place where you can tap into the other 99.99% of what might be available to you. And that language, at least in human form, seems to come through um, the world of emotion, mm-hmm. the, the world of intuition, the world of instinct. And um, so you may not logically be able to figure out, oh, this is why I'm going to move to Encinitas. Because there's you don't know why, and, and it's and it's not available to you. That's the reason you're supposed to go to, to wherever it is. Yeah. And um, yeah, intuition is so critical in that process because it just opens up so many doors. The whole world of possibility is open to you. Would you say that one of the things I find myself talking to clients and friends about is One of the things that a lot of people, I guess, reflect back to me is my courage or my ability to just make split second decisions on anything, Mm. you know, and and that's and that's true. And it just feels right. And I feel like for me, I've I've worked that muscle for Mm. a long time in my life. So I don't mull over things as much. Mm. I'm more able to make decisions. Um about, I don't know, anything, you know, traveling to Egypt or, or where am I going to go for lunch? (laughs) It's almost like that. It's just, if it feels correct, then, okay, I'm, I'm willing to move forward. And one of the things I've seen with a lot of people is that 
I don't know if it's because people don't want to be wrong. They're afraid of failure. They're afraid of looking or being thought of a certain way. However, I do notice this chronic indecision that people have. And, and um, I don't want to say it's a lack of courage. Maybe they haven't worked that muscle. But for whatever the reason, I'm curious to get your take on it. I notice a lot of people are in stuck in indecision mode. They're, they're hesitating a lot before they simply just make the next step. Yeah, you get into an analysis paralysis, yeah. right? You get right. into this place, and I'm an analyzer. So mm-hmm. it is, I am very familiar with, with that place of being um, where you are struggling so much to, to understand enough so that you feel safe. Because ultimately, that's what it'll come down to is feeling safe. If you have, you think in your mind that if you have enough information, then you will have enough control of the situation to feel safe in your decision-making process. And that is never true. (laughs) It's just not, it's not true because anything could, let's say, quote unquote, go wrong, right? Like that's always a potential. That's always a possibility. I've had uh, two surgeries in the last like three years mm. from car accidents that can happen no matter how much I've thought through my decisions that I'm making at the time. And so right. we, the, the idea of control is, is one that, that we play with to make ourselves feel better. And at, at the end of the day, that option paralysis, that analysis paralysis is something where it's really our fear that's getting in the way and we rationalize as, oh, it's, it's understandable why I haven't made a decision yet. And so mm-hmm. I think um, I, it's so funny that you asked me about this because I just recently did um, a deep dive podcast about uh, intuition okay. and how intuition is something, it's a tool mm. that you have at your disposal. And just like if you... Um, or have a tool like a paintbrush, right? If you don't ever use it, you're going to be worse with that tool, right? And so intuition, although it's there for you, Mm. it is something that you get to develop and strengthen and it becomes stronger. So someone like you who's been in the space of using your intuition and honoring your intuition, it becomes easier to be like, oh, where am I going for lunch? Am I going to Egypt? Because you know to trust that's that tool that mm-hmm. you've been using regularly. Mm-hmm. And it's scary for people who like myself, when I first started tapping into this, it was very scary to trust in a tool that I hadn't really used, especially, and this is where it gets really tricky is when you're, you've done so well in your life using the logical mind. Yes. Cause the better you've done, the more money you've made, the more success you've had with the logical mind as your primary source of decision-making, the harder it is to release that, to trust the intuitive decision-making tool. Yeah. All your reference points for your reality, all the parameters are built from your past reference. Mm. So an interesting thing that's coming up that I've thought of for many years is that it appears to me that most people are, are, have one foot in the past, one foot in the future. But never or not never, but oftentimes are not fully fastened in the present moment moving forward. Right. So there's this teetering of like being in the past, mulling over past decisions or analyzing the future from what has occurred in the past. 
Well, that's that's something I talk about pretty regularly, which is the you're completely right. People want to straddle like the future and the past and, and not be present. And the funny thing is the future and the past don't actually exist. Right. Right. Yeah, so like, yeah. even if you're thinking about the future and worried about the decision you're making that how it'll affect your future, you're actually experiencing emotion in the present moment. Yes. You're experiencing anxiety, worry, etc. Yeah. That is all happening in the present moment. Mm. And if you're worried, if you're thinking about the past and you're lamenting the past in some way, shape or form, mm. you're not actually experiencing the past you're experiencing a present moment experience that is happening in the now so um the past and future don't actually exist all that ever exists is the present moment and the emotions and the neurological firings Mm -hmm. that are happening in the now yeah 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 beautifully said what what got you on your path in terms of your career, your your focus as a coach, as an ed- educator, as an inspirator, inspirator um, and like creating <laughs> and creating inspirational content, your passion for conscious media? Mm-hmm. Um, because we we discussed this a little bit before dropping in, and uh, yeah, let's let's dive a little bit deeper, as you say. Yeah, man. I I mean, I I was the the kid who things came really easy to me. Okay. Um, I, I was not that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was that, that kid who, um, was the, the talker in class, the class clown in many ways. And the reason for that was because I finished my work so fast and then be bored. And so I just start talking to people. And so, um, that carried on and, you know, not needing to study for tests more than like 30 minutes right before and, and that sort of thing. And so I, I never really developed a hard work ethic and I never developed that and I at one point you know my dad's from the Philippines and so there's this this thing growing up of I had nothing growing up Mm. so and you were given everything so you are to create even more than I created And, Uh. and so this responsibility that I felt right and so I in the back of my head kind of had this thing where What's like the hardest thing you could do? I've been given everything. I'm super blessed in so many ways. So what is the hardest thing? Well, be an actor. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to become an actor because it's so difficult to, to like make it, let's say, as an actor. And also it's the thing that would give me the platform to really make a difference. And so I moved out to Los Angeles like nine years ago, over nine years ago, uh, to pursue acting. And it was the first thing that I ever really worked at, like heart and soul nonstop really worked at it to get as good as possible. Mm. And then what was funny about that is it doesn't actually matter how good you are. <laughs> and there's a lot of actors who aren't necessarily great actors who are huge stars. Yeah. And yeah. there are a lot of fantastic actors who never become, become even like working, pay all the bills actors. And that was really, really frustrating in so many ways. It didn't make sense. That logical brain that we've been talking mm-hmm. about, it didn't, it didn't add up. The equation didn't make sense for me. And long story, long, long story, super short, because it happened over the course of you know nine and a half years, I was so wrapped up in, in making it. My self-esteem was like living and dying with every audition and, and my frustration was mounting that it led to a lot of soul searching and it Mm. led to a huge spiritual awakening following like the worst year of my life led to 
desperation, which led to ayahuasca, which was this huge 180 for my life. And I took two years off from acting completely and got clear on who I am and what I'm here to do on this planet. And then I turned a camera on myself <laughs> and I started putting content out and that has led to where I am now, which is, you know, being blessed to, um, speak on stages all over the world or my one man show, which is this weekend, which I'm really excited mm -hmm. about spoken word poetry and, and creating, taking the filmmaking back into the conscious message. because mm -hmm. we had learned how to make media from beginning to end, but it never had, it was always like, what's marketable in order to get us seen like horror films and thrillers and that sort of thing. And now it's all about the message and, and taking the filmmaking skills and bringing it full circle and creating just powerful media. Because I believe that media is the thing that separates us now from any other time in human history mm. where we have the potential to reach the entire planet yeah. with a, a viral video. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that opportunity that media creates is so palpable to me and it requires conscious individuals who are committed to actually step in and, and put, you know, source energy to put love into the media that's being created instead of fear, which has been the primary thing that goes out on television and in music and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. It's yeah, I'm thinking of a lot of a lot of friends that went down the acting route. I know Preston did that. He went down that route. Our mutual friend um, Andrew McFarlane mm -hmm. went down that route. My friend Marcus Patrick went down there. A lot of people coming to mind right now that went down that particular route, had various levels of success and then had a detour. Mm -hmm. And that was that was kind of like my story as a professional athlete. So a very similar kind of full on pursuit. What was, the, what was the sport? It was um, Taekwondo and basketball. Okay. I had two yeah. different parallels, and then at two different times, I was pursuing a professional career in each one. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then, you know, for me, you know, it shifted. It shifted mm -hmm. when I was about 24, 23, 24, and, and similar stories, similar themes coming up. You know, when you think your life is going one way... Mm -hmm. And it's like all consuming and you're like, this is what it is and this is where I'm going. And it's interesting when these detours come in. I'm wondering, too, like on a, on a much bigger level, if certain people, you know, we're talking earlier about this idea of you don't necessarily go in a direction for the reason you think it is, mm -hmm. but you just trust the instructions and you go with it and it'll, it'll kind of reveal itself. Well, there's a similarity between like anyone who's pursued acting or even professional sports. Like there's think about what that requires. Yeah, like exactly. Many people won't be able to relate to the amount of courage it takes to commit your life to the pursuit of a goal like that. Yes. Um, especially a goal where so much of it is out of your control. So and much. and so like that level of of commitment and courage and willingness to take the leap is um mm. it's inc it's incredibly inspiring to me i get really inspired by people who pursue life in a, a career in the arts or sports and also uh there's a belief that you can yeah. right and so the combination of that level of courage which is not common no 
It's not. There, there's so much um, worthiness conversation that, you know, not enough self-worth, not enough self-belief. Uh, as, a, as a coach and a mentor, that is a huge part of what I do. And I'm sure you do yeah. as well. It's just yeah. helping people remember that they are fully capable and worthy of whatever it is they want to create for themselves. And so for anyone who's pursuing a, a acting career or sports career, like you have to have the belief that you can yeah. and you have to have the courage to pursue it and take that leap even knowing the statistics about it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that translates really well then to coaching others because those areas are where so many people struggle. Mm-hmm. And just naturally, it doesn't even matter what your perspective is. If you're coming from a spiritual place or a business place or whatever, you have developed that ability to believe in yourself and to go all in on yes. goals. Yeah. Yes. So I think that's why there's you see a lot of that transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I've thought about that for a long time. Um, yeah, it's it's like your your life is your content, right? <clears throat> so from a creative creativity perspective, a lot of people feel like they don't have or they need to be more creative, right? So they need to take some nootropic or they need to take they need to do some mental exercise or find their purpose or whatever the overarching goal is that will finally make them more creative or make them more motivated without when it's kind of like discounting our own experience. Right. Mm. And so I like this idea that our life is our content and like great comedians, what are they doing? They're, they're observing their surroundings and they're using life as kind of like my friend Kyle Cease told me that when he was first starting out, he was just using his life as content and then he would wrap it up in his punchlines and tell stories. And it was funny because it was relatable. This is actually loosely based on real events. Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful thing, you know, for, for everyone potentially listening and anyone that we work with is to know that your life is not by accident and where you are and what you want to do in your life. You already have what you need. You just not need to dive deeper yeah, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, an apple seed, right? Like mm. you have an apple seed that you're going to plant and the tree, the whole apple tree is within the seed. It's already there. Right. So it's not like the apple seed gets planted and then watered and then it's like, well, now you need to do this and this and this <laughs> to become, the, no, like the entire seed or the entire tree is within, within the, seed. the seed. And yeah. so. Uh, it's, it's a similar thing with, with whatever it is you, you want to create. The very idea you have that you can means mm. that you have it within you to do it. Yes. Like, I never thought I'm going to be a professional basketball player once I pass the age of, like, eight. So, <laughs> like, it, it was not mm. it was not within me. I, I don't believe that – I guess my belief is that every single person has arrived here and has chosen to be here – because there's a, they have a purpose and that, that purpose, they have the, the skill set to live out that purpose. Now, whether or not people take the time to explore enough of what's out there and enough of themselves to identify mm. their skill set and, and find their purpose. That's where a lot, I think a lot of times people fall off okay. because, um, it's, it's, you, you get into that job that you like but don't love, that pays well but not great, 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, this is comfortable. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to stay here. And I, I know because I coach a lot of them and it's like, this is not what I, I don't feel purposeful. I don't feel like I'm fulfilling like what I'm here to do on the planet, but I don't want to, I don't want to quit. I don't want to leave. I have bills and, and all this stuff. Well, taking the time to explore what you're really here to do and really get clear about like who you are, what you stand for, what you're most passionate about. That is in many ways a luxury, right? There's a lot of places on this planet where people are just in survival mode. And if you're just in survival, like trying to find food and clean water and, and keep shelter over your head, it's, it's hard to also make the time to explore what is my purpose here on this planet. Yeah. It's not impossible. It's just harder. Um, and beyond that, it's also scary as hell. Mm-hmm. It's also really, really scary because um, there's a lot of culture that plays into that. There's a lot of, um, let's say, ancestral karma that plays into that in terms of um, maybe your parents tried to start a business and failed. And maybe uh, your mom wanted to be a, a model or an actress and then got married and decided to leave that behind and be more practical. And you know what I mean? Like whatever it is, that stuff all plays into who we are and the, the risks that we're willing to take Mm -hmm. the amount Mm -hmm. that we're willing to put on the table and say, I'm going all in for this. Mm -hmm. And I, I find it, I'm inspired by people who do that. I really am because even now today, I find myself constantly checking back and forth with about, well, is this in my highest excitement? It's not in my highest excitement right now. Okay, but it makes a lot of sense from a financial standpoint. I should probably do this. Right, right, no, right. no, no, no. Stay right, committed right. to your highest excitement. That's right. what got you here in the first place. Yes. So I, I know that battle because we all face it. Uh, the difference is that I've, I've leapt so many times off yeah. the cliff and yeah. always found myself to be okay that I now trust it fully. Mm, that's the key distinction. So... What what came up for me is that, and it, I don't know, it's kind of like a, it's like a, there's a fine line, I think, right? Um, and it depends on someone's temperament, too. I want to also acknowledge that not everyone has the same temperament. Jim Rohn, back in the day, had a really great kind of uh, disclaimer he gave everybody, you know, in one of his one of his speeches, and he was saying, like, Listen, not everyone has the same temperament to just like go all in. And what he was talking about was like going into financial ruin. So he's like basically telling everyone in the network marketing, because that's where he did a lot of his speaking. He's like, um, he's like, you know, to tell somebody to just like to motivate somebody by burning all your bridges, going financially broke. So your back is against the wall. And he kind of laughed. He's like, that's not good advice. Not everyone has the temperament to pull that out. Some people do. It's, it's, it comes down to uh, your ability to handle risk. Yes. Right? How risk adverse are you? Some people, any amount of like uncertainty and, and they freak. And that freaking out process prevents them from being in their highest state, mm. which would prevent them from any sort of like real success because they're, they're freaking out. They're in like a stress mode, fight or flight all the time. Right. And yes. it's not good for their health. It's not good for the people around them. All, right. all of that. And with that said, 
Um, if you want something you've never had, yes. you've got to do something you've never done. That's right. And so it, you're, it's, if you've never done it, it's outside your comfort zone, mm. right? Like the reason you've never done it is because it's outside the comfort zone. And so um, if you want something you've never had, if X plus Y plus right equals it, follow that. If you want something you've never had, then you have to go outside your comfort zone. And that is something that I have, I'm not going to call it like a law, you know what I mean? I don't believe in absolutes, but 99.9% of the time you're going to see that, that if you want something new, if you want to change your life in some way, you're going to have to step outside your comfort zone. And if you're risk adverse, that's going to be harder to do. Right. And that's just, that's okay. Accept who you are, embrace mm. that and, and play, play within the structure of who you are. Yeah. I, I don't tell, I had a client, she's a lawyer in New York who was one of the biggest reasons she was scared to start coaching was she was afraid that, um, she was going to have to quit her job. <laughs> and I was like, well, do you want to quit your job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, kind of, well, don't, that's not for me to decide if you want to quit your job, that's, that's a conversation we can have. Mm. If you don't want to quit your job or if you don't want to leave your husband or your wife or whatever, then don't worry about it. That's mm. not, it's not my role to be like, everyone should become a digital nomad and go travel <laughs> the world and like start their own. That's yes. some people, my best friend has always wanted to be an aerospace engineer he grew up in a town where they have a bunch of aerospace engineering jobs. It's near his family where he grew up, which he's super close to. Like, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. He's always wanted that. Mm -hmm. And awesome. Yeah. Most people aren't in that position. Most people grow up in a certain place and want to try living other places and never try it. Most people uh, want to try different sorts of jobs, but it gets to a point where they feel like it's too late, right. right? Most people want to go travel the world, but then get married and have a kid, and then it's much harder to do that. There's all these kind of stereotypes that I'm using right now just as examples and generalities, but the point is nothing's impossible. Yeah. If, if someone comes up to me and says, I want to do this, but I have all these reasons, blah, 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 why I can't. I'm going to say, I can guarantee that you can find someone who had more reasons why they shouldn't be successful at whatever it is that, that they're successful mm -hmm. at, and they found a way. Mm -hmm. And if you can find one of those, then you know it's not impossible. Yeah. So it really comes down to choice at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like what you said about really working within the parameters of who you really are. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we try to stretch that outside of it. So there's a, there's a fine distinction here for everyone is that we're, we're talking about stretching your comfort zone, but not necessarily stretching outside of who you actually are, which are two, they can be similar conversations, maybe like who you believe you are mm -hmm. and stretching the boundaries of your personal identity um, to encompass probably more of who you really are deep down underneath. Um, and then also like not necessarily going out looking for another identity, mm -hmm. you know, so you can be more courageous. Um, I think, I think what's interesting is like when you really hone in on your real gifts and we really like acknowledge our journey and acknowledge what we've been through and acknowledge, you know, like doing all the worthiness work and really accepting who we are in our journey 
we develop certain characteristics like courage and faith that were always there, but maybe they're just laying dormant because mm-hmm. maybe they're, they're just um, untapped potentialities that we just didn't acknowledge before. Yeah, I think a lot of times people are running away from what they're afraid of rather than running towards what they love. Totally. And a lot of times that's because they, they look very similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like what you, you <laughs> love is right next to or even wrapped in what uh, you're afraid of. Yeah. And, and so... I think that if you're running away from what you're afraid of, you may be getting further away from what you, you love as well. And so taking the time to figure it out and and really exploring what it means, you know what I mean? Like what it means to be passionate about what you're doing every day. Mm. What it means to feel feel like you are fulfilling your purpose on this planet. If If that is important to you, then you get to explore what that means. What does it look like? It looks different for everyone. You know, and it, it, it's not a set thing. It may look like being an aerospace engineer who has nine to five, Monday through Friday type job and raises a family and, and just that could be your purpose. What <clears throat> fulfills you on, on every level. Mm. And it may also be the thing that you're comfortable pursuing and you feel comfortable doing, mm-hmm. but there's a piece of you, that nagging voice in the back of your head that's like, I wish I was blank. Yes. And the way I see it with my personal beliefs about choosing to be here, um, I got nothing to lose. You know, I've, I've done the traveling through India, living in a hut. I've done the backpacking through Europe with nothing but a bag on my back. I've done that stuff and been really happy. So I could lose everything and then go live really simply somewhere and, and, and be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I don't is because if I did that, I would have the voice in the back of my head saying, you're not fulfilling your purpose. Go be more purposeful. And so that keeps me doing what I'm doing now. But I'm, I'm all in because the worst case scenario, like no one ever wants to hire me. Everyone hates and stop. Like everyone unfollows me on social media and I no longer have an audience, like whatever it is, um, I'll still be okay. Mm. And at the end of the day, like I know that deep down, I'll be okay. Yeah. And I think that's important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How important is it to you to a surround yourself with all the right people and then also to take care of yourself from a health and lifestyle perspective? Whew, I, I don't know that you could overstate the importance. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like um, the people you surround yourself with, I always go back to the, the really used saying, which is you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, that, that, is, that was a transformative moment in my life because I literally made a list of the five people and realized that I didn't have people in my life who at the time I felt like were pulling me forward. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I was being inspired by the people I was spending the most time with. And that, that was a conscious decision to change that. And a month later I met Preston and Alexi who are now living in in my house for for this (laughs) month and who, um, challenge me and inspire me and motivate me and, and, Mm. um, support me, you know, like it's, it's really great. And, and they are just two of a growing tribe of people Mm. like that. Uh, and then from a health perspective, 
that is, <laughs> I, I, I could go on this topic for forever, I feel yeah. like, but, you know, we are spiritual beings having a human experience and the human experience is had through the human body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if your, if your human experience is not um, being had in a healthy human body, you are not getting the full experience. Right. So the health and like real health, because true health is not just the absence of disease. True health is, is so much more than that. And I didn't realize that I was a, I was a person, I was a successful personal trainer for seven years, like private clients, um, who, who I had my own personal training business and I was a really great personal trainer. And I, I thought I knew about nutrition. Mm. I was in great aesthetic, physical shape. I could Mm. go run however long, like felt in great shape. Mm -hmm. And I was eating a bunch of garbage because I thought if I exercised enough, you could eat whatever you wanted. Mm -hmm. And now I'm getting a much more holistic, full view of what health is Mm -hmm. and all the things that play into it, including sleep and including, uh, meditation and including all of these aspects that play into, to your health. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's life changing. It is, is it is, I feel more spiritually connected. I feel more energetic. I feel more creative. I feel more like fully myself. Um, and I think that the act of, of being healthy. I'm sitting here drinking a kombucha, (laughs) like the act of, Mm. um, being healthy and and giving my body what it needs to be healthy has become an act of self love. And I believe that the deeper you love yourself and you treat yourself with the love, the deeper you can love others. And therefore the more others can love you. Mm. And so it's, it is really all inclusive. It's such a big deal, which is why I'm, I'm so grateful for people like you in the world who, who have made it their mission to spread, spread knowledge on that topic. Mm. I like what you just said too, about the act of being healthy, right? Being healthy to me is both, it's a vibratory emanation that comes from somebody mm-hmm. and it's also an action, right? Just like peace is an activity, like the word peace is not a passive word to me. It's actually an action. Mm. It's something that we live by. And so like, yeah, like the example of like, hey, I'm drinking a kombucha or I'm drinking a green juice or, or whatever the association to an act, a healthy action. When I think we consciously connect that or link that, when we have a conscious association, it actually increases our self-love. Because now we, you know, a lot of times I find people are, passively doing otherwise healthy things, Mm -hmm. but they haven't consciously linked it necessarily maybe to a goal or to just like the holistic picture of their life. So I feel like in some way that that might bypass some of the benefits. Maybe it's just an energetic, an energetic kind of health perspective. Um, But when we actually like if I drink a green juice, for example, I feel I'm feeling it. And I'm feeling like self-esteem, you know, even all these years later for me, like every time I, I keep true to that, I feel more self-respect and I feel like that makes me healthier. And for me, it's still, it's still about moderation. It's still about balance. Like I know, for example, that, um, 
certain things are not good for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> refined sugar mm-hmm. is not good for me. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine a scenario where refined sugar enters my body and my body's like, yes, <laughs> so good. Some Thank you. In your body now I can, now I can do everything <laughs> to heal myself. Um, sure. It's, it's essentially a toxin. Right. And, and at the same time, I, I love really tasty food. Like I love, um, not like cheap fast food, but I love, um, like my weakness honestly is, is artisan donuts. Mm. (laughs) Like, like with these really interesting flavors and like, you can tell that they put a lot of thought into and like a chef of some kind actually prepared, um, to get the flavor profiles right. Like I, I like artisan desserts. Mm -hmm. I don't eat them regularly, but if I do eat it, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And recognizing that that's also part of the human experience. It's part yeah. of the human experience for me to be here and be like, how amazing is it that we have these taste buds and that people have used these taste buds to create things like this? Mm-hmm. Um, and there may come a point where I'm no longer even interested in it because I recognize that where I'm at now is so much different than when I was eating Panda Express Mm -hmm. and Little Caesars pizza. Mm -hmm. I'm so far and that's happened in the span of like four years. Mm -hmm. So who knows where I'll be even two years from now. Um, I I leave that that open. Uh, Like I, we've talked about this, I think on my podcast, which was, um, I still eat meat. Yeah. Not every day, but, um, regularly I would say Mm -hmm. uh, every week for sure and so what's changed the energetics of it like Mm -hmm. I I need high quality humanely treated meat Mm -hmm. organic pasture raised grass fed start to finish that sort of meat whereas before I didn't even think that made a difference like it's it's meat right 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 um and uh maybe at some point like i've read so many different diets i've read so many different diets and so many different people have told me so many varying things yes. that i go based off of intuitive eating yes like yes. what does my body feel how does it feel when i'm eating meat or fish or how does it feel when i when i eat like there are times where i'll eat a bunch of raw vegetables essentially and i'll feel like 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 my stomach will be really upset mm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be like, that's really interesting. And then I'll have times where I'll eat a little bit of meat and the same thing will happen. Mm-hmm. My stomach will be upset. And then there are other times where I go, I really need a salad right now. Mm-hmm. Or like I, my body's craving meat right now. Mm-hmm. I just can't think about anything else. And I honor that. Um, the only things that I've like really f- like almost fully eliminated are uh, dairy, soy, and I really try and limit my gluten mm-hmm. intake mm-hmm. And, and my refined sugar. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a great approach. And that's kind of the approach I've taken and, and I really advise people too is just just paying attention to what you're attracted to, mm-hmm. right? And not from like a necessarily a pleasure standpoint, um, but just generally or genuinely, what are you attracted to? What What is your body telling you? And also what energetically feels right in any moment because we're always evolving and growing and our our food reality is changing as we change well it's also hard because when you say what are you attracted to yeah everyone is attracted to the chemicals 
because Mm -hmm. the chemicals were designed for your brain to be addicted and attracted to it. Right. Right? Like, refined sugar is more addictive than heroin. That, that, That level of addiction that they have processed and put in all kinds of things, even like teriyaki sauce. I mm-hmm. love teriyaki right. sauce. There's so much sugar in teriyaki sauce. That sort of stuff, um, your body may say, oh, I really want that. And it's important not to get that confused yes. and say, oh, this is good for me. My body's telling me I want exactly. this, this donut right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and also recognizing that, like, this is my own perspective. I'm not a scientist. This is kind of like my own philosophy currently. But we have our uh, genealogy, like our ancestry is from all over, right? People who grew up, like my dad's from the Philippines. So the ancestry of the people who grew up in the Philippines is a very different diet yes. than people who grew up in Russia, mm-hmm. right? And so what foods were available throughout the generations as these people were really developing I think our bodies adapted yes. to be able to process those foods. Mm-hmm. With that said, now we live in a world, especially if you're in the United States, where you can get any kind of food pretty much. And your own ancestral history of where you come from thousands of years ago could very well be the thing of why you can handle meat or why your body wants meat Mm -hmm. or why your body wants certain types of vegetables or why your body is saying don't have white rice or do have white rice, right? Um, That's my own thing. Like I said, I have no scientific evidence for that. Maybe you do. No, I I think that's totally on point in that that speaks more to the versatility of the human genome and how our, our genetics are affected by our circumstances and by different associations, different emotional associations, different, the chemical warfare that's going on in our environment, how that's switching certain things on and off, um, in, in our food behavior history. So we have what, one of the perspectives that I take to this is that we have an, a level of untapped genetic potential. And what we're finding out through epigenetics is most of our genetics, most of our genes are laying dormant. You know, they call it junk DNA. So they say that 95, 98% of our genes, this is, this is very old, old kind of science. Um, 98% of our genes are junk DNA because they seem to have no activity. They have no like functional activity. What we know now is that they're actually just laying dormant. I had this really interesting procedure done um, down in Costa Rica with a hemolucent treatment. Are you familiar with this? No. So the hemolucent treatment, what they do is they take um, like three vials of your blood. They spin it. Uh, okay. Centrifuge, centrifuge it. Yeah. yeah. And then they remove the plasma. Uh-huh. Then they treat it with a specific laser that was um, uh, formulated at John Hopkins and, and with Harvard, I think. And then they re-inject it into your body, having treated it with the laser, which activates a dormant stem cell within oh, the DNA. Yeah. And they inject it back into you mm. to um, to work through your body and reactivate one of the dormant stem cells. So mm. there's definitely research being done about exactly what you're saying, yes. which is trying to reactivate the, the dormant parts of our DNA. Because I, I think we're like... Um, superheroes man absolutely like x-men and like all these things absolutely there's there's other sensory perceptions that some people have right and i don't believe that 
Like I think that say someone's a, a Claire Claire audience, right? Like yes. They hear energy and mm-hmm. they hear mm-hmm. spirits or whatever. Uh, I think we can all have that ability. Yes. Like it's with within yeah. us some way, shape, yeah. or form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about is it active in you? Yes. Right. Yes. It's more, it's more present or more pronounced in certain people. Mm -hmm. And that's the variability. That's the, that's the diversity. And it doesn't mean that if somebody doesn't have that pronounced ability where it's like easy to them, it just kind of comes naturally that it's not in them. It just means that for whatever reason, there's certain genetic um, variabilities. Maybe it's just that simple. Certain things are turned off. Certain things are turned off or turned on, turned off, and there's certain stimuli, whether that's external stimulus, like transcranial therapy, where you have an electrical stimulation to a part of your brain, or it's something more endogenous, like what you're talking about, re-administering your own activated blood through through light therapy or any other modalities. To I think, honestly, the, one of the biggest ones is trauma. Yeah, I think really I, totally. I think yeah. really deep trauma. The the body, the brain, the mind yeah. goes. How do we process it? How do we deal? How do we protect ourselves? And something, and it's different in everyone, but something gets triggered. Yes. Something shifts in the DNA as a protection mechanism, mm-hmm. and that's why so many like healers have been have walked that path of trauma. And that's and trauma can either potentiate abilities or it can regress abilities depending on how the body registers it. Yeah. Cause I've seen examples where somebody has something traumatic happen to them and they actually are better off for it. And it brings out qualities in them that they weren't able to access before. We see this all the time in sports and in physicality. Um, and then there's a many examples where someone has something happen and it actually, it actually, it, you know, they, they pull back. But that's that's a conscious decision to run away from it, mm-hmm. right? Like I believe everything is always serving you. Yeah. And so when that trauma happens, I know people who have had um, really intense spiritual experiences, like yes. really like communication with spirits from the other side, and um, that freaked them out so much at a young age mm. that they completely shut themselves mm-hmm. off to mm-hmm. it and, and yeah. never experienced it again. That's that's a choice that has been made out of fear. And I think that if as a society we can make it less scary, mm-hmm. like if, if we stop with all the ghost movies and all all the, the bullshit that says that none of it's real and whatever, and yes. we start looking at it from, okay, how do we support people who are being entering the world yes. with this gift, with this ability? Mm-hmm. Uh, you would you would see us progress as a as a race, a human race, so much further because we're just stifling our own human potential. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That brings up a lot. Um, yeah, there's a lead that, that could open up a few different doors. And I think, I think really the, the takeaway on that is who you believe you, who you believe you are and what you're capable of is just a pale approximation of what's really possible. Mm. If we give ourselves permission to do something incredible on planet earth, yeah. to quote John, Dr. John D. Martini, who I recently had on the show. Yeah, he's awesome. And, and that's really, that's really, that speaks a lot to me. It's like, why don't we just start giving ourselves permission to be all that we can be? 
and then see what happens. Like in the power of making a decision instead of teetering between maybe and yes and no and I might do it. Why don't we just say, you know what, I'm just going to be the best I can be, whatever that looks like, whatever that entails, and then just see what shows up. Isn't it a Marion Williamson quote where she says, our biggest fear is not that we are unworthy, but that we are powerful beyond measure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a fear of, of owning our full potential. That's Mm. very prevalent in society. Mm. Do you think everybody needs to have a coach in their life? Um, Need is a tough word. Right. 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 But I, I would say that, I believe that everyone can benefit from the right coach. Right. Um, I think that's why you have Michael Phelps, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, like all the best athletes in the world have all and all currently have coaches. It's literally impossible to not have to be coached as an athlete. Yeah. And, and but the reason for that is not because and, and this is a por- important distinction because um, my, none of Michael Jordan's coaches, none of Tiger Woods' coaches, none of Michael Phelps' coaches could do it better than them. That's right. But what a coach provides is the ability to see the blind spots. And so great coaches have, have two things. Uh, one is the ability to spot the blind spot. Yes. Because you could be the best basketball player in the world and if you may not have that ability you may not be able to see what's going on in someone else exactly Um, and then the second thing they have is and what separates a lot of coaches um is the ability to translate what they see into something that can be digested and integrated by the person they see it for Mm. and so you have like that's why most coaches are not were never great players right is because if you were if you were if you're Michael Jordan what you can do physically what you can do with your your talent most basketball players on the planet cannot do right and so you view the world of basketball your model of the world is totally different totally different you are so much more equipped to do things and so you have never had to think about Oh, what if I can't do that? How would I? Doesn't have to even do doesn't right. even register. But if you're just like an average player, you have to think of all these other facets in order to become a good basketball player. Right. And so it's the same thing. So true. With coaches, a lot of times, uh, it's not about my ability to take people and and figure out their business and be able to do their business better than them. That's mm. not how I help them. Mm. My ability is to see how they're limiting themselves. Mm. And how to take what I see, translate it in a way where they understand it and can implement my suggestions so that they unleash more of their full potential, which they can point in any direction. They can point it at their business to double their sales. They can point it at their relationships to find more love in their life, Mm. whatever they want to point Mm. it at. Um, But those are the the two things that I think are incredibly important in a a coach when you're looking for for one and why uh, not like just like Tony Robbins, for example, Tony Robbins is is mad, wildly successful, arguably the most famous coach maybe of all time. Mm -hmm. And he's not the right coach for everyone. Totally. Right. He's not just because he's great at what he does. Doesn't mean he's right for you. Exactly. And so finding your coach is, is something I think everyone can benefit from. And I think is one of the two most important things I've ever done to, to shift my life and unlock mm. my own potential. So, yeah. Totally agreed. 
What um what would be the the concluding insight for everybody after this? Ooh, a concluding insight is to keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> like if you're listening to this, you're already doing something, right? If you're listening to this podcast, you are already showing some level of commitment yes. to your own growth. Yes. And I think that that is the most important thing mm. and continuing to invest in yourself mm. with your time, with your energy, with your money, with you, everything, continue to invest in yourself because it comes back in ways that you would never expect. Right. Every single aspect of your life is affected um, by who you are. And so if you can find ways to maximize your potential, maximize your ability to feel and receive love, um, that's going to impact every single moment. And, and that's within your control. Even if you're like, well, I can't afford a coach. Great. Go listen to more free podcasts. Right. Go, go, <laughs> go read books. Check them out from the library. Like whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Don't let anything be the excuse that prevents mm. you from, from developing yourself. Mm. Awesome. Where can everybody find out more about your work and what you're up to? Well, the, the three main ways I, I recommend people follow me is Facebook, which is Adam Roa, uh, A-D-A-M-R-O-A, uh, Instagram, Adam.Roa, and then uh, my podcast, which is called The Deep Dive with mm-hmm. Adam Roa. And they can find that on SoundCloud or iTunes or through the podcast app. Um, and all of that's available also through my website, adamroa.com. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. This was so much fun. Yeah, Thanks man. We just went me. at it. Just riffed it. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for having me on. Brother. My pleasure. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Much love, everybody.